Good morning. Good to see you all here today, those in person and uh, everyone who's joining us online. So good to see you all. We have been journeying through the Gospel of John since the start of this year. And every week we just take a little time to go through uh, one of the chapters in John. So this morning, uh, if you are able and comfortable both at home and in person, if you stand for the reading of God's word. John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and they had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Let's pray. God, thank you that we get the opportunity just to gather in worship, to pray. And Lord, although the whole world may be uncertain and we may be confused, God, you are not uncertain. You still have the whole world in your hands. Lord, I just pray right now that every single one of us here, God, we just take a, a breath to just know that you are in control, that you are on the throne, that you are here with us. So God, give us open ears open minds to hear what you want us to hear this morning. Speak through my mouth, step into my body. Lord, I just pray that I'd be the vessel to present the message that everyone here needs to hear. In your name we pray, amen. You can grab a seat. What would you do if you knew you only had just a few days left to live? Uh, no, this isn't some announcement that I am dying of something mysterious, but this week, as I was diving into John 13, I was thinking about that question. What would you do if you knew you only had, you know, a few days left to live? I'm a dad of four kids, uh, 11, 8, 6, and 2. And when my daughter was born, uh, she gravitated quickly towards unicorns. Something about little girls and unicorns. And this book, uh, Uni the Unicorn, is one of our favorites 
to read. And so almost every night for a number of years, Becca and I would read this book together. It's about a little girl uh, and a unicorn. And uh, it's kind of from the perspective of the unicorn who believes that little girls are real. And I love this author. Her name is Amy Krauss Rosenthal. She published this in, in 2014. And I like to kind of explore, you know, what are, what are authors like and things like that. Well, uh, which led me to an essay that she actually published uh, in 2017 called, You May Want to Marry My Husband. See, in 2015, after their last child, their third child, grew up and left the house uh, to go to college, they were empty nesters finally. They uh, went to the doctor because Emily was having some pain and they found out she had cancer. And uh, the day that they were going to be empty nesters and had all these plans, everything changed. And they knew the prognosis wasn't great. So they spent the next two years fighting it, but then realizing this is a battle that Emily was not going to win. And then in April of 2017, she published this essay in, in the New York Times that you may want to marry my husband. And it, it went viral. Um, you can see Emily and her husband and it's very sweet about how much she's loved her husband for 26 years, and she's hoping for another 26 years, but ultimately she knew her time was nearing an end, and she was writing to someone who maybe would want to marry her husband someday to take care of him. And what an amazing expression of love. Ten days later, she died. And uh, he's actually remarried now, and he, he wrote a response, but I, I thought about that like, if you knew that you were getting ready to die, how would you spend those last few days? As we dive into John chapter 13, and we're going to be spending the next couple chapters in there, this is kind of what's known as the final discourse of Jesus. This is uh, after, you know, um, Palm Sunday and before the cross. And Jesus knew he had just one, one day left to live, just 24 hours. And what did he spend his last 24 hours doing? Was it, you know, sailing on the Sea of Galilee, you know, enjoying some good hummus, you know, whatever it might be? We had dinner with his closest friends. And then he washed their feet. He even washed the feet of Judas, <laughs> the man he knew would betray him. Jesus knew he only had 24 hours left to live, and he spent his time washing Judas's feet. What an amazing expression of love. Well, we've been going through the Gospel of John. We'd like to give a quick recap before we go into chapter 13. John chapter 1, we see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We say tabernacled among us, that Old Testament idea, but basically God moved into our neighborhood in the person of Jesus. John chapter 2, we see the first miracle of Jesus. He goes to a wedding and he turns the water into wine. And why? Why? Why is first miracle of that? Because Jesus came to give true festival joy. Jesus came to keep the party going. That ultimately heaven doesn't, we don't just end by going off to some distant heaven, but heaven comes to earth and there's the marriage supper of the lamb in the book of Revelation. And we, we feast and celebrate with Jesus. But before we get to that celebration, it's going to have to go through the cross. And in John 3, Nicodemus, in the middle of the night, a powerful, wealthy man comes to Jesus and asks these questions. And Jesus tells him, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But this rich, powerful man in the middle of the night, he's still a little unsure, so he just kind of goes back to his way of life. And in John 4, one of my favorite chapters, Jesus passes through Samaria, a part of town where there's racial tensions and gender divides. And Jesus sees and gives dignity and worth to this woman who has a sketchy past. Maybe she's been harmed. But then because Jesus sees her and invites her to drink deeply of the living water, she becomes the evangelist. And in the middle of the day, not at night, she goes back to her town and God uses her to spread the message of that Jesus is the savior of the world. And many in her town uh, begin to believe. And then in John 5, we see that Jesus offers healing, the man born uh, lame who could not walk. But Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And Jesus asked that same question to each and every one of us. Do you want to be healed? In John 6, we saw Jesus feeds the 5,000, that he's our provision. He's also our peace. As he walks on the water in the middle of a storm, peace be still. And sometimes Jesus will send us into those storms. It doesn't mean we're out of God's will, but so that he can be our peace. And then in John 7, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit that you will be filled and out of you will flow streams of living water, which was to be the Holy Spirit was to come after he ascended to the Father. And then John 8 he said there's this big festival and they remember that how God led them out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And they had these huge candle stands with giant uh, bowls of oil and they'd light these and it would light up the whole city. And right in that moment when, when they're lighting these, that's when Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world. I am the one who led you out of slavery and bondage. And then light goes into the world as Jesus heals the man born blind. And then John 10, Jesus is the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life. He's the good shepherd who became a sheep so that we could be friends with God. And John 11, Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. As, as Lazarus, his good friend, dies, and he goes to the two sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, and Martha says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he responds with truth. I'm the resurrection and the life. And then Mary comes later and she falls weeping. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Same words, different posture, different temperament. And what does Jesus do? Jesus weeps. And I love that. Sometimes Jesus knows when we need truth. Sometimes Jesus knows when you just need a comforter just to sit and weep with us. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And in John 12, Pastor Josh last week did a great job talking about that, how uh, in celebration they have this dinner. Wow, Jesus raised Lazarus to life and, and Martha's hosting and she's serving. She's no longer upset at her sister for being at Jesus' feet, but she's serving through, we said, through perspiration. And then through perfume, Mary, she anoints Jesus' feet. And this is just a couple days before the cross. This is his final week. But worship always costs us something. Mary gives this expensive perfume at, at Jesus' feet, and Martha is costing her her service and her time, and both are expressions of worship. And then today we're going to see that Jesus calls us to be people of the towel. As we continue on our series, we're talking about just kind of why are we here? We're here to help you love God, to serve others, and make disciples. Last week we focused more on that loving God, and this week we're going to talk about serving others. John 13.1. Now before the feast of the Passover. So this was the weekend that Jesus died. So that Passover was that, that Thursday night meal. Uh, uh, it it, it kind of rotated depending on the seasons. This particular Passover, it was 
particularly close to the Sabbath. And so that kind of complicated things a little bit, but they had this Thursday night dinner, which is the last supper that Jesus had with his followers, the Passover meal. And then Friday, he would go to the cross. So before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied around his waist. So what would happen in, the, in these days, you'd take a bath and, and, and you'd bathe yourself to get ready for the Passover feast. So you'd be fully cleansed, except for you had these open-toed sandals and you'd walk through the dusty roads and there'd be animal dung and different things. And so often what happened was the first person who arrived or the lowliest servant, they would be the one then to wash the feet of all the other guests. But it was a task no one liked to do. In fact, in the Midrash, which is kind of the... Uh, the, the verbal teaching of the rabbis during this day, it said that you could not even make a Jewish slave or a Jewish servant wash someone else's feet. That's how lowly it was. You couldn't require a slave to do this job. So they're ready for dinner at this probably, it's probably a U-shaped table, not like Rembrandt's where it's all on one side, uh, but it's probably a U-shaped. You'd have one uh, table here and then kind of two tables this way and everyone would be on the outside actually um, so that the inside servants who are bringing food could, could bring the food to the tables and have access to it. So they're sitting there and they're waiting and I bet it's kind of awkward because everyone's like, all right, who's going to wash whose feet? You know, and Peter's like, well, it's for sure not me. I walked on water, right? It's like, like, I'm good. And John's like, I'm the one that Jesus loves. So it's probably not going to be me. And, you know, you got like Bartholomew. He's like, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle here. And so everyone's kind of sizing each other up, wondering who is going to be the one to do that? And, and maybe it gets awkward as it's just kind of like, who's going to do this? Come on, Judas, you know, you're the one. Probably not him because he's the treasurer, so he had, uh, he had a high uh, standing. So Jesus, he gets up, and you kind of wonder if the night before, he's kind of like, come on, guys, we've been talking about this. And he, he lays aside his outer garments and takes a towel, and he ties around his waist. And you just wonder, like, how embarrassed are the disciples at this point? Like, oh, boy, like our master, our rabbi, he's the one doing this. And you just hear the sound of, like, the water hitting the basin, and they're just embarrassed. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your teacher, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He's like, this is my last lesson, guys. Do this. Serve others. Love others. Someone said that it's hard to look down on someone when you're washing their feet. <laughs> and also, it's hard to wash someone's feet while you're holding your phone trying to take a selfie. <laughs> Sometimes we've got to do good deeds without recording them. Amen. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. This troubled in spirit is actually the same words that when we, we looked at two chapters ago in, in John chapter 11, as Jesus approaches the tomb of Lazarus, and when he sees Mary uh, weeping, and Jesus' response was, uh, Jesus wept. 
It says he was deeply moved in his spirit. This is the same. The same feeling that he had seeing the pain of Mary and Martha who had lost their brother and that moved in his spirit. That's, that's the same thing that Jesus is feeling here. And he knows someone will betray him. Now, I think, I think Jesus is thinking of Judas. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, he's still holding out hope that things could be different. He called Judas, hey, come follow me. He believed in Judas. Judas has been following them for three years. He's been charged the money bag. And Josh talked last week, we learned that he would embezzle from it. But I think Jesus is still reaching out in hope. So the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, that's John, we said that's his nickname for himself, was reclining at that table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So in these days, they didn't have tables and chairs like, like we do. So they had very low tables, and, and you'd sit around them. Uh, you would lean on, on your left arm with, with your, your body towards the table, and your legs kind of kicked out, and you kind of lean against each other. So you kind of picture like this. You're on your left. And so John is on uh, uh, Jesus' right, uh, kind of the place of honor. And so he's kind of leaning up against Jesus. And so you have Jesus in the middle, you have John, and probably then Peter, most likely is next to John. And so you have 12 people, so probably four, four, and four, right? That's kind of how the, the U-shaped table. You have someone, Jesus, John, probably Peter. So Peter, he's, he's always, what's going on? But Jesus is a little too far away. He doesn't want to like shout it down the table. So he's like, John, John. John's next to him. He's like, ask Jesus, who is it? So John's like, Jesus, who's the one that's going to betray you? So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, kind of whispered, Lord, who is it? And Jesus, he's leaning, he kind of leans forward to John, who's here. He's like, it's he who I give this morsel of bread when I've dipped it. He's like, okay, I'm going to dip this bread in there. This is going to be the sign that this is the one who's going to betray me. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. That means most likely the seating order, four disciples, Peter, maybe, John, Jesus, Judas. That, that place of honor to John and Judas. And Jesus reaches out and gives this morsel of bread to Judas. I think just maybe that was his last, last way of reaching out. Like, here, gives him a little bread. Like, Judas, are you going to choose the darkness? Or are you going to step back into the light? After receiving the morsel of bread... Judas gets up and he went out. And it was night. I wonder if Judas, did he stop at that doorway, looking in at the candles and the festival joy going on as they enjoyed their Passover meal, knowing that was the last time he was going to enjoy fellowship with Jesus and the disciples. Perhaps he looked back and, and he saw all that and but he knew that he had already decided in his heart to turn his back on Jesus, to give in to greed to himself. He goes out to betray Jesus. So then Jesus, as you read the text, you can see he's a little, kind of a sigh of relief. As it's kind of like, I did all I could. Judas is gone now, and, and Jesus continues to teach the remaining 11. It's his little children. It's just kind of a, a phrase of endearment as a 30-something rabbi to his teenage 
and 20-something disciples. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I will say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It doesn't say if you have, you know, the whole Bible memorized, or if you exuberantly worship, or, you know, uh, whatever it might be. How people know that we're his disciples? If you have love for one another. So what does this mean for you and me as Jesus' followers? We've talked about this, that, that follower is a Talmudim. It's, it's an apprentice of Jesus. And here at Mosaic, we want to help you be an apprentice of Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be with him, to become like him, to do the things that he does. And so first, we need a heart like Jesus, a heart of love. He loved them to the end. Jesus, everything he did was filled with love. And again, we don't know exactly what it meant that he gave that morsel of bread, but I think Jesus was filled with so much love that he was continuing to reach out to Judas one last time. Judas, sit down next to me at this meal. Are you sure you want to do this? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm reaching out to you. And even then, as Jesus walks away, as we see on the cross, even then Jesus is reaching out to the thief on his side. Even on the cross, he's, he's looking out for his mom and saying, John, the one I love, the only disciple guy who's here, you take care of my mom. He's had such a heart that he's always reaching out in love. And as his followers, we need to have that same kind of love. A new commandment I give you that you love one another, just as I've loved you, you're, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, my Talmudim, my apprentices, my followers, if you have love for one another. Jesus calls us to be a people of the towel. Uh, I'm actually going to have Josh uh, back there. Uh, I actually ordered a bunch of towels, and uh, they're red. And you might be like, why are they red towels, Eric? Uh, but is this a reminder to be, we're called to be a people of the towel, to serve others. If you don't know about us, um, Matt, uh, our worship pastor up here, uh, he's an amazing graphic designer. And when we were starting the church, we kind of said, what's our big three? Now, love God, serve others, make disciples. And Matt had the brilliant idea that we should color code them all, which I love. So we've kind of, our big three all have different colors. If you didn't know that and you're like, what? I've been coming for four years. Here, here, here you go. So our love God is blue. That's why uh, you see typically we usually use blue lights up here. And people serving on Sundays have our blue t-shirts. So this is our, our love God. If you don't have one, grab one. We got some for you. Our serve others color is Red, there you go. Uh, that's serving outside. And so on May 2nd and 16th, we want you all to wear your red shirts when we serve outside the community. When you serve on Sundays, in here you wear your blue shirts. I know. And that's why we have red towels to remind you of that. And then make disciples next week we're gonna get into is our color green. And there's a reason for that, but you come back next week. So to uh, people of the towel, we are to follow in Jesus' footsteps to serve others. And, and that towel is a reminder of that. Jesus, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel. He says, you are to do that likewise. Serve others. See, we can't follow Jesus' example by just believing in it, that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Doing is what makes the difference. Jesus says this, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not if you believe in them, not if you read about them, not if you think good thoughts about them. It's doing that makes the difference. I heard one time someone say that so often we judge ourselves on our intentions. We judge everyone else on their actions. Like, well, I meant to empty the dishwasher last night, so, you know, that's what's important. Or I meant to send that thank you card. Or, you know, I, I meant to, um, you know, show up on time for this, but, you know, I didn't do it, so that's okay. But so often when we're judging other people, we're not judging them on their intentions, we're judging them on their actions. But intentions aren't what matters. It's doing that makes the difference. It says, blessed are you if you do them, if you put into practice the things that Jesus taught. We need a heart like Jesus, a heart of love. Jesus calls us to be a people of the towel. Doing makes the difference. See, knowing without doing oftentimes will make you proud. We've talked about this, that one of the the major problems in the Western church is so many of us are educated beyond our level of obedience, which leads us to being prideful. We think we're further along in our discipleship than we really are because we have information, but we're not following in obedience to what Jesus told us to do. And so when you just know what you're supposed to do without doing it, it's going to make you proud. But if you do without loving, it's going to make you judgmental. It has to start first with that love for God and, and the reasons behind it. Otherwise, you're going to get burned out. See, if you are constantly serving others, looking for some kind of external motivation, you will get burned out and start becoming judgmental. But when you serve others from the heart of, I am loved and accepted by my Father, that Jesus gave it all for me, that he serves me, and out of that identity, I'm now going to serve others. I'm not looking for validation from others. That is what we need, is love in action. It's putting our love in action. This week, I had the opportunity, again, just to go around a bunch of some of the houses uh, nearby here. I get very confused. Where are we? So towards Central Avenue, that block of houses. And it was so neat to meet a lot of residents who've lived here for 20, 25 years. And I met Miss Betty, who lives across the street. And everyone I talked to, oh yeah, I know that church mosaic. And I said, you know, uh, here's what's going on is on May 2nd, actually, they're doing a school musical in here. We can't meet in here. So I said, what should we do? Well, let's send our people out and go serve our neighbors to love and bless them. And they just thought that was the greatest thing ever. And Miss Betty is in a wheelchair and she lives alone. And she's tutored kids for 20 years, but now she can't anymore. And I guess she would oftentimes do Easter egg hunts for the kids in Osseo. But she, she needs some help. And uh, she needs a ceiling fan put up and some things painted and someone just built her a wheelchair ramp, but she'd, she'd love to have that painted on the outside. And she's like, you know, if your kids want to do something, they can paint that. And I said, we'd love to just to bless you whatever ways we can and talk to a few other residents. And she said, what a great thing that we just, hey, we just want to be good neighbors. We just want to love and, and serve. And they love the idea of kids coming along and having fun, raking leaves, planting flowers, painting wheelchair ramps. That's love in action. Because we can say, hey, we love you guys out there. C come to our church. Come, come tune in online. 
but when that love is in action, and we say, hey, what can we do? What's broken that we can maybe fix? Or can I just listen to you? So I listened to Miss Betty just talk about her life and her story. And then I just got an opportunity to pray with her. That's love in action. That's what we're all called to do. See, the reality is that spiritual depth has far less to do with how much you know and an awful lot to do with how well you love and serve people. I think for the longest time I grew up and uh, I'm a reader, I'm an intellectual person. And so, you know, from the age of 14 on, I would read through the Bible, uh, usually yearly, and uh, memorize lots of chunks of scripture and studied theology and Greek words as I went to, uh, you know, I've been to school uh, seven years of studying this uh, in college and grad school. And I love knowledge. But as I get older, I realize that that spiritual depth has a lot less to do with just how much you know and how much you actually love and serve others. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, you love one another just as I've loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, what I'm gonna say next is a little controversial, um, but hold on for that while I take a sip of water. Dramatic pause. Uh, Jesus says, if you have love for one another, that's actually where it starts, not loving people outside there. Because you know what? Honestly, it's a lot easier to show up someplace once, to go on a missions trip, to go into a mobile home community and to show some love. But Jesus actually says, they're going to know you're just my disciples, how you love one another. Disciples in your community. How do you love your spouse, your kids, the people in your small group, the people you're doing life with, the people that you don't just pop in once and then leave? That's a lot harder to show that kind of love. Here's ways to serve one another here at Mosaic. Join our hospitality team. It's a way of just helping people know, hey, you are welcome here. Again, we're continuing to ramp up and Wendy oversees that, but you know, it's a way to just help people, hey, uh, we got some coffee, some treats, that you're welcome here. Join that team. Really kind of low commitment. Kids ministry team. Uh, we have a lot of kids in this church. Um, and we need people who are investing in those children. I mean, that shows so much love when you're back there. Our student ministry team right now, our, our student ministry meets on Sunday nights. We might be moving to a different night over the summer. Um, but you can talk to Ethan, our, our student director. We have about a dozen teens every Sunday night right now. Are you still going through Philippians? Are you done? Still in Philippians? Yeah. They're just walking through the book of Philippians. And uh, they have fun. They play games. But then they're just going verse by verse through uh, uh, the book of Philippians. And, uh, you know, it's just being there for kids. Different, different things going on in their lives. And it's just, it's just uh, you know, uh, I did student ministry for a number of years, uh, 15, 18 years. And students are drawn to the nearest, closest adult who's going to take them seriously who's not their parent. Uh, and so that could be a coach. That could be a youth group leader. It could be someone who's not a great influence. But all teenagers need that person in their life who's going to take them seriously, who's going to listen to them, who's going to pray for them, who's not their parent. Because the parents are going to be there. But there's always a little bit of friction, and they need someone else that they can talk to and process and pray with. And we want that to be some loving, caring adults here at Mosaic. Join our worship tech team. 
Uh, Aaron back there, you're doing a great job, Aaron. I know we threw a lot at you today. It's Aaron's first time running sound here at Mosaic, so thank you, Aaron. Uh, I know it's a little stressful. Ethan hopped on the slides today. Uh, again, um, join that tech team. We'll get you trained in, and, you know, if you mess up, it's all right. It's, it's, we don't have to be perfect here. Uh, join the worship team, you know, our online minister team. That's the people, you know, welcoming people online, praying with them, connecting with them. And uh, then our operations team, like Mike. Mike, where are you? Get off Mike. Mike drove our truck and trailer at 7.30 in the morning to get here. Thank you, Mike. Bring our trailer, help set up, been here early, which means Katie, give her a hand because she gets her kids here by herself without her husband. Uh, but that's part of our operations team. Uh, and we'd love to have it so guys only have to do that like once a month, not like twice or three times a month. Um, but again, like if you're like, I'm not into kids ministry or tech, join our operations team. It's showing up, driving the truck and trailer, setting up. Here's just a couple quick numbers about who we are. Uh, our church, about 51 households, 83 adults, 33 elementary kids, 24 preschoolers. That's a lot of kids. Uh, 12 teenagers. This is kind of who we are. We're about a church of about 152 people. Right now, the number of adults and teens that are serving one another, it's about 32. So about one out of three uh, are, are serving each other in our community. And uh, we'd love to get that number you know, up to you know, two out of three. Um, so that, again, that, that burdens us off a little bit on people who are serving, you know, every single week. Uh, so I just want you to think about that. Where can you serve one another at Mosaic? And many of you are, a third of you are doing a great job with that. But where could you be serving here at Mosaic? Fred Rogers, one of my heroes, he says, we live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say, it's not my child. I don't have kids in kids ministry. Why should I serve back there? Not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. I consider those people my heroes. And then once we show love to each other, we want to serve those outside our four walls. So here's some ways you can do that. Our Here for Good, again, May 2nd, May 16th. We can't meet in here, so we're going out and serving our community. And again, there's going to be anything uh, to do. Uh, we're going to have opportunities for people to watch the littlest kids at the, at the community center so the parents can serve without, you know, having to have their two-year-olds, their babies there. Um, you know, painting, raking, uh, hanging ceiling fans, whatever that might be. Uh, bring donations to Brooklyn Center High School. Right now they're collecting donations, just everything that's going on. Uh, you can talk to Kelly Leonard, uh, more information about that. She's a teacher. Uh, volunteer to help with homework help at Mobile Hope. That's a great organization uh, that operates out of the um, Maple Hills Estates mobile home community in Corcoran and um, in Dayton. Uh, and they have people that help out with homework every week. Volunteer at Cross Food Bank, uh, lots of different things. That's up in uh, Rogers, phenomenal organization. It's uh, Christians reaching out and serving something, I forget. Uh, but they do a phenomenal job um, with that. Uh, invite your neighbor over for dinner. I talked about this in my Mosaic Midweek this week. Uh, I bought a smoker, a barbecue this uh, a couple weeks ago. Thanks, Biden, for the extra stimulus money. Uh, part of that reason was we had our neighbors over on Saturday night. Uh, hey, I smoked some tri-tip. Come on over and eat. You know, and we, we've kind of been together this whole uh, last year. Uh, so, so we kind of mutually have, have quarantined or whatever. But if you feel comfortable doing that, like invite your neighbors over. Have a meal with them. That's a way that you can reach out and serve others. Just get to know your neighbors. I was in a meeting with a bunch of pastors talking to the mayor of Maple Grove. And he said, you know, what's the biggest needs in Maple Grove? And he said, kind of the two things. Number one, uh, people to know their neighbors. Because it's so easy for people just to drive into the driveways. They shut their garage door. And then they 
they, they just kind of do their separate things. And people could be suffering depression, anxiety, whatever, right next to them, they don't know it. Help people get to know their neighbors. Second, our teenagers going through so much. Uh, a lot of prescription drug abuse um, in our, our middle schools. And so anything you can do to invest in the teenagers here in Maple Grove and to help people get to know their, their neighbors, that's a way we can serve the biggest needs. Uh, and then volunteer for summer VBS. Uh, we're actually going to partner with Maple Grove uh, Covenant Church. Uh, they're going to do a VBS at their church, uh, June 21st through the 23rd. That's from 1 to 4 p.m. So it's, what, three hours each day, nine hours total. Again, this is just an opportunity to love our whole community. And so if you want information about that, let me know. That's a way to serve our community. Now you might be saying, Eric, but... I'm hurting right now. It's been a really tough year. I, I, I can't do anything right now. Rick Warren, if you don't know his story, uh, he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. It's the best-selling hardcover book of all time. Uh, a couple years ago, it was up to 30 million copies sold. Uh, and a uh, phenomenal pastor. So he, he reversed tithes. So instead of giving 10% to the church, he gives 90%. He also paid back everything they paid him for the last 30 years because uh, he didn't want to change his lifestyle. But his son, Matthew, struggled with mental illness his whole life. And Matthew would actually go on Suicide Watch websites and share his faith. And he led hundreds of people to the Lord. But something was broken in Matthew's brain. And they would pray. And they went to the best psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors trying to figure out what was broken in Matthew's brain. And as a young 20-something, he just told his parents, I, I don't think I will ever be healed this side of heaven. And then one night, Matthew took his life. Just the pain was just too much. And as Rick Warren and his wife, they were there and, and they got the news and they went to check on their son. Their small group showed up and it's a beautiful story. The small group said, hey, you're, you're not gonna be alone. And, and they just went to their house with them and they just slept on the couches in the kitchen and said, we're going to be with you. And we're not gonna say anything, we're just gonna be with you for 24 hours. But Rick Warren then wrote in his journal this. He said, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. Because what happened was he got hundreds of letters from people who Matthew had met online and shared hope that they had chosen not to end their life and to put their trust in Jesus. And although Matthew was broken and ultimately he lost the battle of mental illness that still bore fruit. And so if, if you're at a place where you just, you feel so broken, you feel like it's been a tough year, I want to encourage you that even broken trees can bear fruit in God's garden of grace. And one of the best ways to define healing and growth is to start serving others, start loving others. Be a person of the towel. I want to invite the band to come up as we close this morning. Where can you be serving? Where can you be making an impact and a difference? Again, maybe it's something you just need to be praying about. Is it reaching out to your neighbors and inviting them for dinner? You know, is it serving at Cross or Mobile Hope or, you know, hey, I want to help out with that VBS with Maple Grove Covenant Church. 
And where are you serving one another here in our church? I listed a few ways, but there's lots of ways that you can serve others here. Uh, you know, we have uh, bringing meals to, to, to new moms. Um, you know, Kim, who's up here singing beautifully, and Josh, they have brand new twins. One's home, one's coming home from the hospital soon. We're praying every day. He's still in the NICU. But like, if you were like, Kim and Josh, can we show up and, and, and clean all your bathrooms in your house and serve you that way? I think they'd take you up on that, maybe. And if you wanted to bring them food or anything, like that would be awesome. You know, um, there's people in our community. Again, you, you just, how are we loving and serving one another? Uh, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing this last song together. God, thank you that you modeled service and love and humility. That in the same way you set aside your divine uh, privileges and rights, you set aside those outer garments and you got down on your knees and you washed your disciples' feet in the same way that you came and you humbled yourself as a servant, obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. So God, as your Talmudim, as your disciples, as your followers, I pray that we just continue to orient our life around you and your teachings. And God, just help us to know how to love one another, to love each other well. Whatever that might look like for us, maybe it's sending cards of thank you and gratitude. Maybe it's making that meal. It's serving in kids' ministry, uh, greeting others. Just whatever that looks like, God, I just pray that you just expand our hearts to see how we can serve others, how we can be people of the towel. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, would you please stand with me and we're going to sing this last song. And uh, thanks for being here today. Uh, let's go out of here singing.